It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Not only to God Almighty. But to them and to their happiness and welfare, because the laws of God and the desires of God, so far as your life and mine are concerned, is that you find the way to happiness and to peace and the way we're doing and the customs that men are following on this earth are not leading to peace or to prosperity or to happiness or anything good. And we're all wrapped up in a lot of customs. We don't know where they came from. And we look at the poverty, the squalor, the uh, unhappiness, the empty lives all over this world, and we don't know why. Well, I'll tell you, in the broad principle, it's all coming because men have departed from God, and they think it doesn't make any difference, and they're doing the things that seem like to men. Now, I'm not saying that uh, so far as Christmas observance and the trading of presents and all that sort of thing, that it has a direct bearing on all the war and the unhappiness and all that kind of thing in the world, but I do say that the law of God was set to give us the way to peace, the way to prosperity and to happiness. And in just a moment, I'm going to speak about prosperity and why so many of you do not have the prosperity that you think you ought to have and why you're having so many financial worries and how you can be more prosperous and end your financial worries. And I'm not going to give you any commercial for any loan company that will put a mortgage on your home or your automobile or your uh, attach your salary or something and loan you money because that is not the way out I'm going to give you, but something that will really solve your problems and troubles permanently if you want to find that way. But it's God's way, and God's way is our good and our happiness. God wants us to be prosperous. God wants us to be healthy. God wants us to be successful and happy and joyful. He wants us even on occasion to be merry and to really enjoy life to the full. Oh, if we could ever realize that and realize that God doesn't want us to be long-faced and, and bored with life and unhappy and miserable, that doesn't give God any happiness or pleasure, none whatsoever. Well, now this thing about trading presents back and forth and following the example of the wise men. Let's look into the Bible just a minute and see what really did happen. It's in Matthew, the second chapter, and the first 11 verses. That is... Like I said, the people that have joined in since then, that is Herbert W. Armstrong talking about Christmas. That was recorded decades ago. He died, I think it was 1986. And I didn't plan on playing that, but I believe it was God's province that uh, that is what the computer selected at random to play uh, at this particular hour, this particular day, uh, being the day that everybody is celebrating Christmas, and uh, it's time for worship services, and there comes on the message against Christmas by Herbert W. Armstrong. That's what I was listening to when I was 10 years old, I was listening to him on the uh, radio and the television. 
God really blessed me with a great measure of truth in my childhood from Herbert W. Armstrong, the apostle at the time. I praise God for his mercy and his grace upon me and upon all of us for choosing to open our eyes to the truth and calmness for this generation. Amen. Praise God. And I had, of course, we're broadcasting 24 hours now, seven days a week. That doesn't mean I have to work or anything uh, 24 hours. It's just the, the computer is automatically selecting audio files at random that I have loaded for it to play, and it randomly picks those files uh, and plays them at any time that it's choosing. Uh, occasionally, I will uh, choose to uh, turn on the microphone and let you know that I'm listening right along there with you and share with you what's on my mind as well as breaking news. And hopefully, I would like to start adding on to the 24-hour broadcast some interviews uh, interviewing people and bringing on special guests, as well as maybe having a special question and answer session, as well as uh, some information, documentaries, and audio about the vaccines and what's going on with that as well. Hope to get some new content uh, for you soon, hopefully. Okay. Well, we praise the Lord for calling us all together at this appointed time to be a family, to be a kingdom, to be a people, one people under God. Amen. Let's all stand wherever you are. Let's all stand and go in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your miracles, your grace, and mercy upon us. Thank you, Lord, for giving us strength to be here today, for seeing us through the pain, for seeing us through the night, for seeing us through all the trials of life, for persevering us, preserving us through everything. Thank you, Lord, for the breath of life. Thank you for eyes to see and ears to hear. Praise your holy name. We pray for your special anointing and blessing on these services and ask for your help in it. Please open our eyes even more. Help us to see what you want us to see. Help us to understand even more. Help us to be even more true and devoted to you more than ever before. Help us to persevere to the end, never given up, but always pressing through. In the name of Jesus, amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Let's turn to the book of four Maccabees. 
that is in the history book. Volume 2, History, 4 Maccabees, Chapter 16. And that's almost the last page of the uh, volume of history, page 339. And if you don't have the book of Maccabees in your Bible, it is because they have taken the book of Maccabees out of the Bible in most Bibles. Uh, but it was there in the times of Jesus when he walked on the earth. The book of Maccabees, 1, 2, 3, and 4 Maccabees was part of the Bible in the time of Jesus walking on the earth. And it was also part of the original King James Version of 1611 as well. But now they're taking it out of most people's Bibles. And so if you don't have a Bible with Maccabees in it, I encourage you to order the Alpha and Omega Bible, which has restored these books to the Bible. Now, today is Christmas, the birth of Zeus, and also uh, December 25th is the date of the abomination of desolation uh, in that particular year of Antiochus Christus. And this is also the anniversary of the fall of Adam and Eve. The Orthodox Church admits publicly that the Christmas tree is a symbol of the forbidden tree in the Garden of Eden. And that the decorations on the Christmas tree represent the serpent and the fruit, the apple. Christmas is a celebration of the sin, the fall of Adam and Eve. In comparison to Christmas, we're going to be celebration, celebrating Hanukkah here in just a few days. The true day of Hanukkah beginning Wednesday, December the 29th this year. That will vary year to year on the Roman calendar. But this year it will be December the 29th, Wednesday. So that we have special worship services beginning at 11 o'clock in the morning, Wednesday, 11, 8, Eastern time. People, most people that keep Hanukkah celebrated it a month ago because most people did not correctly have a 13th month in the creation calendar in the screen. You have to have that 13th month every now and then so that everything begins to the season. In addition to all of this, we have now, there is now remaining only 81 days. There are only 81 days away from the abomination of desolation on term, St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, 2022. That is 81 days. That is less than three months. If you think of three months being roughly around 90 days, we have 81 days remaining until the strong division, also known as the abomination of desolation, 
spoken of in Daniel 12 and Matthew 24. And that means we are also less than four months away from the Syrian, Iranian, Russian, Chinese invasion, known also in Ezekiel 38 as the God Magog War. How do we get this calculation? It is by reading the scriptures carefully, having the Holy Ghost, being willing to learn and to grow in the knowledge and revelations of the Lord each year, always allowing God to continue to change us, change our way of thinking, and to grow in that truth consistently year after year after year after year after year. Always growing in truth, willing to let go of the false doctrines of mankind, always willing to let go of what we think we know and allow God to show us greater things. That's how we know these things. Amen? Praise God. It's very possible that in his next three months until the strong delusion that we're going to see war. As I've said many times, even though the official big start of the God-Nerdog war is going to be four months from now on the first day of unleavened bread, the day after Passover, and a strong delusion a month before that, we're going to have a fake uh, battle of Armageddon, St. Patrick's Day, which we term. That's going to be a big war in Syria, in Iran, only 81 days from now. But I've said many times also that I think that we can very possibly see an outbreak of war even before that. You've got to have precursors. You've got to have something that is going to uh, prevent, uh, propel that event into action. Some kind of provoking. And when you look at the news right now, in Iraq, you have multiple anti-American uh, militias that have come together in agreement as a coalition that are saying that as of midnight, when they go into New Year's, uh, they're going to begin attacking the American forces inside Iraq in a greater measure, with a greater passion, as being what they're saying, their last battle against the Americans, that they're going to push us out once and for all. So that's a deadline that's coming up very quickly. At the same time, Russia is giving uh, secret deadlines to NATO as well. And I don't know what those secret deadlines are, whether it's the last day of this year or sometime in March, but supposedly there are some secret behind-the-scenes deadlines that Russia has been giving NATO, as well as a lot of deadlines for us to not cross. And the daily and weekly and monthly words of warnings and war coming from Putin, of Russia, 
continues to escalate to get more and more serious constantly. So it's very possible that we could see Russia invade Ukraine before Fermat, before March 17th. It's also very possible to see an Israeli attack on Iran before current March 17th, and that would be a great provoking of war inside Syria. And it's very possible to see a mass slaughter of American troops in Iraq before March 17th, which also could involve American troops in Syria as well. It's also very possible to see a major terror attack on American infrastructure. And that means hydroelectric dams, Hoover Dam, Grand Coulee Dam in Washington State, other dams across America, inside the United States, before March 17th, perhaps any day now. Any of these events could propel us into larger wars and make everything worse on everybody, regardless of what nation you live in, any of these events, and especially if we see two or three or all four of these events occur before March, these events are going to make life more difficult on all of us, all of us. These next four months will be painful and severe financially and physically. Inside the United States, we should expect to lose electricity, water, and internet, and phone services before March is a possibility. I said online last night that I've got something like 22 or 25 sermons of the invasion, but it's possible we could lose the internet and electricity before term, thereby cutting that number way down. And it's my job, my duty, my responsibility to train you, to teach you, and to prepare you to be closer to Jesus, more in the truth, more willing to grow in truth, more adaptive to God's truth before I leave before I'm no longer able to communicate with the majority of you across the world by the internet. My job to make you self-sufficient in Christ to where you won't need me anymore. So, we're going to have to really press over these next four months thinking about what is the greatest need for the church at this time for you to learn. What is the greatest problems that still remain in the church? Where did you stand now and how are we going to get you across that lump? How are we going to get you across the hill? There are some people that are still not baptized. 
Others have to deal with pride. Others have to deal with legalism. Others have to deal with lack of faith. Others have to deal with lack of perseverance. And others may be lacking in the Holy Ghost, whether you're baptized or not. We need to be praying for a greater measure of the Holy Ghost, a greater measure of the ghost of Jesus. And it's important to use that word ghost, holy ghost. I realize that in most nations, even America, even in the English language, the word ghost has a negative meaning. When we think of ghosts, we think of a negative, we think of an evil spirit. But we are using the word holy in front of the word ghost, which lets the person know that we're not talking about a regular ghost, we're not talking about an evil ghost, we're not talking about a ghost that haunts a house or haunts a person, but rather we're talking about the Holy Ghost. So we are defining what ghosts we're talking about. The Holy Ghost. That is the ghost of Jesus. That means the soul of he that died for us, for our sins. <coughs> that even though he died, he is yet still alive, still walking, moving, and interacting with us. And because it is the soul of him that died through the crucifixion, using the word, word Holy Ghost applies the crucifixion to this term. It applies that we're asking for the measure of God, the part of God that came from heaven as a baby in the seventh month of the year, not in the twelfth month of the year, not in the ninth month of the year, but in the seventh month of the year, which usually falls in the Roman calendar in September or October. During the month of the Feast of Tabernacles, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Trumpets, during that month, the most holy month of the year, that has all these multiple holy days, more, more holy days than any other month of the year, it's during that month that Christ was born. And I don't know the exact date for sure anymore. I used to think it was the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles. I've seen some evidence it could have been the Feast of, Feast of Trumpets or another day of the Feast of Tabernacles. I don't know for sure what day, but I do know without any doubt that it was during one of those holy days in the seventh month of the year. Because that is what you would calculate and come to from the birth of his cousin John the Baptizer we have record of when his dad was in the temple and what the Bible says about 
mean, his dad was in the temple and so forth, and how much older John was than Jesus, and you calculate all that out within nine months of pregnancy, so forth. So we can calculate these things. But, you know, the book of Deuteronomy says that we are to do what God commands and not add to it or take away from it. And the Bible never commands us to celebrate the birth of Christ. Never commands it. And people want to know the true date of Christ's birth so we can celebrate his birth, yet the Bible says, do not add to what I tell you to do. Amen. We don't celebrate birthdays. We don't. Even the birth of Christ. If he wanted us to, it would tell us to do it. Amen? But if he was born on one of the holy days, which most likely he was, and if we're keeping those holy days, we're celebrating Jesus and worshiping Jesus on those holy days, then we're automatically, by default, we are automatically worshiping Jesus on his birthday, but not because of his birthday. Because worshiping human birthdays, of course, he's God, but he was God in the human flesh. Worshiping human birthdays is pagan. It was always considered pagan by the Jews. It was forbidden by the Jews. And you don't, follow, you don't find any example in the entire Bible of any man of God or woman of God celebrating anyone's birthday, not even the apostles. Not even the apostles celebrated Christ's birth. No, no. Before his death or after his death. I don't see Jesus going to birthday party in the Bible. Do you? Amen. We don't do that. Amen. Because we don't celebrate the flesh, but rather we celebrate our spiritual birthday. We celebrate coming to Christ, being saved, being born again. That's what we celebrate, is being born again. And that is a requirement to be born again. You must be born again of water and spirit. And that means baptism in water for immersion by a person that has the authority to baptize you. That's a requirement. There's no way you can get around that requirement just by saying, well, I think I'm saved anyway because I feel I got the Holy Ghost. I feel like I got the Holy Spirit. God talks to me. He hears my prayers. I don't have to be baptized. You're deceiving yourself. Jesus said you must be born again of water and spirit. And the context and the following chapters after that confirm that he was talking about water baptism. Amen. We have to be baptized. That doesn't mean you have to be perfect first. doesn't mean you're going to be perfect afterwards for the first few months or first few years. Salvation is a lifetime process. Lifetime process. So just because you think you're saved doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to enter in 
Because you have to persevere until the very end. That's what it says in Matthew 24. We're going to read that later, God willing. But you have to persevere until the end, and then you shall be saved. You can be saved and fall away. The Bible talks about this over and over and over, and some people say that that's impossible. Once you're saved, you can't lose your salvation, but yet the Bible repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly warns about people who have entered the end falling away. And yet they're not, people are not willing to accept what the Bible says about this. That's because their heart and their mind is hard set on convincing themselves and deceiving themselves that they're so saved that nothing could interfere with that. They're so saved. Totally, 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 eternally saved, and nothing could happen. But the truth is, the world is overflowing with temptation and trials and sufferings in so much that it's not impossible at all to fall away. We must, as the Bible says, keep guard of our hearts. We have to keep guard because the enemy is seeking to devour us and he is attacking us every day, especially as you grow in the truth more and more and more and devote yourself to him more and more and more, the more that you will be attacked by the enemy, through your family, through friends, through society, through every possible way. It's not an easy road. It's not an easy road. You have to devote yourself to God and make up your mind that no matter how much the enemy shakes you, no matter how much people mock you, no matter how much people hate you, no matter, no matter what, even if you are tortured, even if they put a sword to your neck or a gun to your head, that you're going to stay true to God, devoted to God in the truth, in the truth, and you will not be shaken from it. Amen? In 4 Maccabees 16, verse 1, 4 Maccabees 16, verse 1, it says, If then... Even a woman, that even an aged one, an old woman, and the mother of seven children endured or persevered to see her children's torments even unto death. Confessedly, religious reasoning is master even of the passions. That means if you put your mind on God, religious reasoning is master even of the passions. If you put your mind on God with a made-up mind, absolutely determined mind, that you're going to trust God, believe God, rely on God, that He is your Lord, He is your Master, He is your King, through thick and thin, through good and bad, on top of the mountain and in the desert, 24-7. No matter what happens, this woman here, old woman, had seven children, seven sons, who was tortured to death in front of her. This is what happened. 
And yet, she didn't run away crying. And she didn't say, hey, I'll give you all my money if you don't torture them. She didn't say, I would deny the name of Christ Jesus if you would set us free. She didn't say that. She didn't even think that. Amen. But rather, she persevered with a day of mind, which is master even of the passions. The passions means what you naturally would do as a carnal, sinful person. You would, without God, without devotion to God, without a made up mind to God, you would say, hey, set me free, let us go, let my sons go, and I will give you this money. And I would deny the name of Christ and all these other things. Whatever you want me to do, I do. Just don't kill us and do not torture us. That's the human passion, the human desires, the human way. But if we put our mind on Christ, that is master over us and help us show ourselves. Amen. Verse 2, I have proved then that not only men have attained the mastery of their passion, control over herself, but also that a woman despised the greatest torments and not so fierce with her irons around about Daniel, nor the furnace of Mishael burning with the most verdant fires, as that natural love of children burned within her, and she beheld her seven sons tortured. In other words, when you look at all these other examples in the Bible, it was even a greater trial for a woman to witness the torture of her seven sons. That is a greater torture and a greater trial than being thrown in a den of lions. Because the natural passion of a mother is to protect her children. But she went against the natural way of mankind, of a woman, and controlled her words, her mind, her heart, her thoughts. She controlled herself by devoting herself to what was right and true in God's will. And that, verse 4, but with the reasoning of religion, the mother quenched those passions of what is natural to a woman, so great and powerful. That word religion, we're going to cross out and change. We're going to edit that because there's a better translation. And the better translation of that word is the word devotion. Devotion. And we're going to put devotion, and then we're going to put parentheses to God. Devotion, parentheses to God, and parentheses. So we're going to read it like this. But with the reason of devotion to God, the mother grants her passion so great and powerful. Amen. And throughout this chapter and the next chapter, anywhere where it says religion, we're going to change it to devotion. Okay? So let's continue verse by verse. And verse 5 is we must consider also this, that had the woman been faint-hearted, as being their mother, she would have lamented or cried and sorrowed over them, and perhaps might have spoken thus, like this. She, if, if she wasn't so strong, 
she may have spoken the following words, which she did not speak, but she, she could have naturally spoken like the following words. Sam, verse 6, ah, or oh, well, should I, in many times miserable, woe is me, who haven't borne seven sons, haven't become the mother of none, oh, seven useless childbirths, and seven profitless periods of labor, and fruitless givings of sucklings, and miserable nursings at the breast, vainly for your sake, O oh sons, have I endured many pains and the more difficult anxieties of rearing. Alas, of oh, my children, some of you unmarried, and some have been married to no prophet and no children, I shall know, not see your children, nor be felicitated as a grandmother. That word felicitated means, and we're going to change it to, Blessed slash happy slash congratulated. Blessed slash happy slash congratulated. So that word can mean to be made happy as a grandmother or to be blessed as a grandmother or to be congratulated as a grandmother. And verse 10, all that I may have many fair or beautiful or handsome children shall be a lone widow full of sorrows, nor shall I die, shall I have a son to bury me, but with such a lament is this, the holy and God-fearing mother dwell none of them. But with such a lament, with such a sorrow, with such a crying, with such a mourning, she did not dwell none of them. She didn't say these words. Verse 12, nor did she divert any of them from death, meaning she did, not, she did not try to stop the tortures. She did not try to stop their murders, nor grieve them as for the dead. She did not do any of these things that come natural to a person, a human being, especially natural to a woman. How? How she did, how did she quench the natural passion of a woman. Verse 13. But as one possessed with an adamant mind, that means a made-up mind. Amen. As one, bring, look at this, read it with me, verse 13. But as one possessed with an adamant made-up mind, and as one bringing forth again, her full number of souls to immortality, she rather with supplication, with prayer, or sacrificing, sacrificing, exhorted them to death in behalf of religion. Again, any time it uses the word religion in this chapter, we change it to devotion to God. Devotion, principles to God. So you have to actually eat him, We don't need a tender none of changes operating down and written down. In other words, 
she kept in her mind that even though her sons were going to die, that there is a resurrection. There is receiving immortality in the resurrections. There is a future. Even if we die in this life, there is still a future. Amen. And in behalf of devotion, she is devoted to God. Verse 14, a woman soldier of Theos. For the devotion, you, aged, even a female, have conquered through endurance even a tyrant, and though but weak, have been found more powerful in works and words. And how did she overcome or endure a tyrant? As a woman, she's weaker in nation than a man, but she was found more powerful in works and words because she stayed devoted to God. No matter what happened in her life, no matter what happened in her family, no matter what happened in front of her eyes, no matter what, she kept a made of mind to stay devoted to God. She persevered unto the end. Amen. Verse 15, that when you were seized along with your children, you stood looking upon Eleazar and Torinex and said to your sons in the Hebrew tongue, O sons, noble is the contest to which you being called as witness for the nation, drive zealously for the laws of your country. For it was disgraceful that this old man should endure pains for the sake of righteousness, and that you are younger should be afraid of the tortures. That would be disgraceful if you, as my sons, would be afraid of the tortures. So instead of being weak in nature, she was strong in saying to her sons, don't be afraid. Be manly. Do not disgrace the family. Be manly upon your deathbed. Amen. Verse 18, remember that both through Theos, you obtain existence and have enjoyed it. And on the second account, you ought to bear ever affliction because of Theos. For whom also our father Abraham was forward to sacrifice Isaac, our ancestor, and shuddered not at the sight of his own parental hand descended down for the sword upon him. And the righteous Daniel was cast upon the lions, and Ananias and Azarias and Mishael were slung out into the furnace of fire, yet they endured a crescent beard through fields. Now, um, I understand that most people claim and believe that theos should be pronounced theos. I know that, I understand that, but I disagree with their reason. Okay? Then verse 22, you then, having the same faith toward theos, be not troubled. For it is unreasonable that they who know devotion should not stand up against troubles. With these arguments, the mother of seven exhorted each of her sons, over-persuaded them from transgression the commandment of Theos. And they saw this too, that they who died for Theos lived to Theos, even as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the patriarchs. 
And what that means is we're going to add an add a quote at the end of that verse. We're going to add a footnote that says this. They are promised eternal life as they sleep in their graves awaiting resurrection. They are promised eternal life as they sleep in their graves awaiting resurrection. Some people would point to this verse trying to say that the patriarchs are alive in heaven. But the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that they did not receive their promise. If they're in heaven right now, then they did receive their promise. But Hebrews says that they did not receive. I might have said the wrong chapter, but some of in Hebrews. They did not receive their promise or their rewards. Yes. And then the Bible says that. The fact is that they live to theos means that they're not truly dead, that they have eternal life in the promises of God. Amen. They're, they are promised eternal life even as they sleep in their graves awaiting for the resurrection. Amen. And in next chapter, verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 5, if you look to the last four words of chapter 17, verse 5, it says religion to the stars, cross out religion with devotion, meaning that they are shining with devotion even among the stars. That's only symbolism. They're not literally among the stars. These sons and the mother, they are not literally stars in heaven. This is symbolism. And then again in verse 7, and it was lawful for us to paint as an elaborate religion of your story, change religion to devotion. Amen. So we can take all of this as a lesson as we head toward Hanukkah, beginning on Wednesday, this is something that happened during the times of Antiochus. It was Antiochus soldiers that were torturing these men. Our point today is against all adversity, against all trial. Stay devoted to Jesus. Press through all sufferings and trust in God's promise of the resurrection. Whether we live or we die in this life, think of the resurrections. God spoke about the resurrections. Amen. That's what the prophets taught. That's what the apostles taught. That's what Jesus taught. It's resurrection, resurrection, resurrection. Not immediate reward. Not immediate heaven and hell but rather the resurrections. This is what the Bible teaches consistently, repeatedly. Old Testament and New Testament alike. Amen. Let's go to the book of Luke now. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, page 77, verse 40, page 77. 
Luke 8, verse 40, And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had been waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, and was an official of the synagogue, and he fell at Jesus' feet, and began to implore him to come to his house. For he had only a daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. Lots of people pressing in to Jesus. And a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak or robe, and immediately her discharge of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding in and pressing in on you. In other words, lots of people were touching But Jesus said, someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. Power or virtue had come out of his life. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. In peace. Amen. The context of that day and time, the way that people lived, is that women, of course, was expected to stay their distance, not be very vocal, not be very strong, not be very present or very visible. But in both this case and in Maccabees both, you find women who went against the grain and became very bold and courageous to do what needed to be done in their situations. This woman could have said to herself, but she didn't say to herself, but she could have said to herself, I am but only a woman, and I could get in trouble if I try to press to the crowd, and if I touch him, I could be stoned, I could be arrested, I could be hit, slapped, anything, or hated and mocked and ridiculed or cussed out. Anything can happen to me as a woman. I better just keep my distance. But she knew she knew that she needed to touch the Savior. She knew that if she would just touch him, that there would be something different about her. She knew what she had to do. Nothing was going to stop her from getting this accomplished done to touch the Savior. Amen. She pressed through the crowd of men, despite the possibility that she would be mute or stoned or something bad. She had a made up mind, determined mind to do what she needed to do. That's why all of us, man and woman and child, we must make up our minds and be absolutely 100% determined to do 
what we need to and persevere until the end. Amen. And finally, Matthew 24, verse 13. This is the verse I said we would come back to. Matthew 24, verse 13. Page 34. Matthew 24, verse 13. But the one who abides to the end or perseveres to the end, that person will be saved. Will be saved. So again, as I said earlier, whether you have already been baptized or not, whether or not you think you're already saved or not, whatever your situation is, you are required to persevere and abide and, and stay devoted to Christ. No matter what happens, war, invasion, starvation, disease, torture, martyrdom, no matter what, we must press through until the end because if you don't, you could be forced out of the way. It could be pressed out of the way. You could be pushed out of the way. You could fall out. There is predicted in the Bible in 2 Thessalonians 2, just before the abomination of desolation, the strong delusion, a great falling away. In fact, here in Matthew 24, that's the same context. You see in verse 13, it must stay in Jesus till the end to be saved. And verse 15 is the abomination of desolation. Yet this mind-blowing new note must be added to the Bible is here in, at the end of verse 13, we'll add this note. Compare 2 Thessalonians 2, great falling away. Same context. See verse 15 here. Again, that notes when I say 2 Thessalonians 2, great falling away. Same context. See verse 15. So here in verse 15, you've got the abomination of desolation. So you've got in verse 13 a warning that you could fall away, but you need to best persevere. You need to stay in. You need to abide in Christ. That is a warning that you could fall away. It's a warning not to fall away. The whole chapter is because it starts out with, with Jesus answering them saying, do not be deceived and do not Follow the Antichrist. And where if they say he's there, or he's here, or he's there, or he's there, don't believe it. In other words, Christ, the true Christ, is not coming back before the tribulation. That's what this chapter is all about. That's what this chapter is all about. That no matter what happens, do not be deceived. There's going to come false Christ. There's going to come the false prophets. 
They're going to work great miracles. I wish people would be about and believe it. Amen. The verse about the great miracle. Twenty-four. Twenty-four. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. These are going to be very powerful miracles, very powerful signs in heavens, very powerful manifestations of power by the Antichrist, the president of Syria, Bashar Assad, Ibelina's name, the Assyrian king, and both popes, Pope Francis and Pope Benedict, as the two horns of the false prophet office. This is the word of God. That's not my opinion. That's not my interpretation. That's not my way of thinking. That is the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will see this fulfilled. If you stay alive long enough, you will see this fulfilled. You must be forewarned that no matter what they do, even if the Antichrist appears in the sky on St. Patrick's Day, March 17, 2022, that don't be deceived. Don't think he is God. Do not fall on your knees and worship him because he is a fallen angel. And even the devil himself transforms himself into the angel of light. Don't be deceived. Even the book of Revelation talks about these great miracles that the false prophets, the two popes, will manifest, will work. Amen. Don't be deceived. No matter what happens, no matter how hard things get, even if you lose the internet, don't go crazy. Amen. Even if you lose your telephone, your water, your electricity, even if you lose all of your family, your job, your house, your career, everything that means anything to you. I tell you, most people are going to go stir-crazy. Most people, most Christians, most of your Christian family, most of your Christian friends, most of the church you attend, most of the Christians you know are going to go out of their mind because they're not prepared mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, or physically for the reality of the great tribulation. Because these soft, effeminate pastors have trained and brainwashed the congregations to think and to be deceived into thinking they're not going to have to suffer. They're not going to have to face torture or martyrdom. They're not going to face the mark of the beast, which is already here. They're not going to be beheaded or even be threatened to be beheaded. They're not going to have to face any trial or tribulation of the great tribulation because they're going to be just raptured out before any of that happens when actually almost every bit of it is already, already in the works. 
so they're totally brainwashed as robots, as China wants them to be, as the devil wants them to be, as the Antichrist wants them to be. They're totally brainwashed. You're not going to have to suffer. So when the suffering comes, when they find themselves in the midst of the greatest tribulation that has ever hit this planet ever for humanity, they're not going to have the strength of the mother of 4 Maccabees 16. They're not going to have the strength that it takes to persevere and abide in Christ unto the end. They, the majority of them, will absolutely be willing to sell their birthright for a bowl of soup. Absolutely. Many of them have already done that. Many of your family and your friends and the Christians and the churches have already sold their birthright, their job, that they have already received parasites and metal inside their body as it predicted in Daniel chapter 2 in the end time in the, the feet and toes of clay and iron mix and it says that the seed will mix with men and that talks about iron being blended in the DNA of mankind. These vaccines, fake vaccines, because they're not true vaccines at all. But these fake vaccines have parasites in it, flesh-eating animal is inside that thing, as well as nanoparticle metal elements of aluminum and other metals that work together at building a grid inside your body. It's proven that the militaries across the world, militaries, the empires, they already have the technology to use this same technology to control your mind, to command you to commit a mass murder, a mass shooting. I am convinced this is what happened with many of the mass shootings, especially when you look at who their families were, who their dads were. Of these mass shooters, you find that many of them were family members of the CIA and FBI and so forth. And I am convinced that many of the mass shooters were injected with a mind control substance. And I'm also convinced that many of your family and friends that have been vaccinated, that they are a threat to your life. They are a threat to the church, to you, to me, to society. These people have willingly sold their soul to the devil and sold their birthrights for their jobs and they are willing to do it again with another shot and another shot and another shot 
They're willing to bow in obedience and reverence to the new world order commands. Take this. Do as you are told to do. Do not question authority. They are already given their allegiance to 666 by taking the vaccine. They have already committed themselves to the mark of the beast, which is the first six, as John actually drew, was the Nazi swastika, a flag of hatred for the Israelites, a hatred of Jews, a hatred of Israel, Jacob versus Esau, Ishmael versus Isaac. This is what Antifa is about. This is what Black Lives Matter is about. This is what the Democrats is about. This is what the New World Order is about. This is what World War III is about. All of it goes right back to the war of races, the war of the Gentiles versus the Israelites. This is what it all goes back to. And people that think that race has nothing to do with these things, with the New World Order, they're ignorant and blind to what the Bible says. I wish people read the Bible. And I'm not wishing, I'm not a witch. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just speaking the vocabulary of what, how, how people speak. That's all I'm doing, okay? So, I would, or I wish, that people would read the Bible and see how throughout the Bible there are the war of the races, and that is promised even in the end times, even Jesus spoke of it in Matthew 24 here. In verse 7, for race or nation arise against race or nation and kingdom or realm against kingdom or realm against places. There will be famines and earthquakes and hurricanes. Amen. Even the statue of Daniel that brings the iron mixed with clay. What that statue represents is the Gentile kingdoms, Gentile nations, Gentile empires. Every one of them in the statue of Daniel, Daniel is a Gentile empire headed by the Assyrians. The head of gold is Nebuchadnezzar, who was an Assyrian. He was an Assyrian. And he spoke Assyrian. He commanded the Hebrews to start speaking Assyrian, and the Jews still speak Assyrian to this very day. It is a war against the Gentiles. World War III. God made our war is Gentile nations. In Ezekiel 38, coming to invade the Israelite nations, the Americans, the British, the Australians, the New Zealands, and our allies, the Koreans and the Indians, even though they are Gentiles, they have been adopted in with us by becoming part of the Commonwealth of Britain at one time, of India, and by being our allies and our brothers and our sisters, by holding hands with us. 
being the Koreans, or coming in being adopted with us you know, as Israelites. Because we are truly the melting pot of the world. We are truly the melting pot of the world. People are not migrating to Africa, but rather people are migrating to America and to Israel and to Europe, Western Europe. It is the Israelite nations. You can tell who Israel really is and who Israel is not just by looking to see who does all the world want to migrate to. They migrate to the Anglo-Saxon nations, the British nations. That's who they migrate to. You can tell who Israel is just by looking at that. Amen. Israel is a melting part of the world. God is so good to teach us and open our eyes to understand these things even more. To see a better picture, to see more of the picture, to see more of the puzzle, and to understand it. God is so good to teach us. I tell you, when you listen to these sermons, you learn. Amen. We don't come to feel good, but we automatically feel good because we're learning from God. Amen. We automatically want to shout and to praise the Lord. We feel good. I forget about my pain. Amen. We don't come to feel good or to have fun. But we automatically do feel good because we are enlightened with the Word of God. Very different from your traditional churches of mankind, son of God is Satan. Amen. God is so good. Press through the pain. Now being in very, very, very severe pain the last two nights. And I could have said, but I didn't say. But I could have said, you know what, I, I just, I'm going to play a recorded sermon. I'll play a sermon from years ago or two months ago. I'll just let you listen to the recording today. And i just stay in bed or i just sit down or whatever because I don't feel good. I'm in a lot of pain. I feel like, I feel like I'm getting stabbed by multiple knives. I'm in so much pain. But I didn't say that. Instead, I said the people need the message of God. Amen. The people need a fresh sermon, a fresh sermon for today, not something from years ago. Amen. That message of today is, no matter how much you hurt, no matter what your sufferings are, your trials, your mockings, your persecution, your finances, your relationships, and the wars to come, and the invasions to come, and the great miracles that are demonic in nature. And everything dark and heaps of bodies in the streets, which you will see. Heaps of bodies in the streets, the Bible says. Read it. Cannibalism. Read it. It's coming. It's already here. 
you're really not going to escape these things. But you can endure these things. You can get through it by putting your eyes on the Lord. You can persevere. You can get through anything, through that valley of the shadow of death, through that desert, through that wilderness, through that loneliness, through that pain, through that suffering, through that trial, through that persecution, anything. You can get through anything if you make up your mind to do it and put your mind on the Lord and say, devote it to God. It's not impossible. Not impossible. And the church of God will do great exploits, great things in these final years during the Great Tribulation. Even though the Great Tribulation will be the, the most horrible time in all of human history, it will also at the same time be the greatest, most wonderful time for humanity ever. Amen. Because finally the churches will wake up and the atheists will wake up. All the, the deceived, deceived people, which is everybody, they will finally wake up if they survive the initial invasion and the initial blast of the nuclear missiles. If they survive that, they will finally wake up to the reality. It would be a stark awakening, but they will finally wake up to the reality of the lies and ignorance of their pastors. And their pastors didn't know the Bible. The pastors didn't know anything about the Bible. And wake up to realize that they need to read the Bible and stop twisting it when they're reading it. Stop reading it the way they've been brainwashed to read it and read it slowly and carefully asking in the context and referencing verse with verse and word with word, referencing and studying and getting deep into that word of God study it out and think it out and pray it out and fast it out instead of speed reading. Then you'll see the light and no longer be deceived, no longer be programmed by the isms of the world, the Baptist, Baptist church, which is no longer even believing in baptism. It's ridiculous. And the Seventh-day Adventist church, which doesn't even believe in the holy days of God, and the Lutherans and the Wesleyans and the Presbyterians and the Catholics and the list goes on and on and on. They're all wrong, all of them, because Christ is not invited. Christ is not a denomination. We are not to join a denomination and call ourselves a follower of a denomination who has a corporate headquarters in New York City or San Francisco. It's ridiculous. But we are to follow Christ and the Holy Scriptures as correctly translated from the original before it was corrupted. What did it really say? And praise the Lord, and praise the Lord, and rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Even in the time of the greatest tribulation, you can shout and praise the Lord and rejoice, knowing who your Lord and Savior is. 
He is merciful, forgiving, and loving, and ever-present in the good times and in the bad times. He won't save you out of every storm. He won't save you from every sickness and every death and every pain. But he'll see you through it. Praise God. We need to start being so soft. We need to start being that I want to escape every trial and learn how to endure the trial. Praise God. Because that will build us stronger mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. We will be stronger for it because God did not deliver us out of it, but saw us through it. A pre-trib rapture is the sissy way out. It's a fairy tale for children and for sissies who don't want to endure. But the whole Matthew 24 and Luke 21 talks about the same thing. It's about enduring the great tribulation. Jesus never said you're not going to have to endure this. Amen. Get ready, because it's coming and it's at the door. The great tribulation is at the door. On the website at isawthelightministries.com, we have an article that gives you proof from the Bible, not my opinion, not my interpretation, but proof from the Bible, undeniable, unrejectable proof, even though half of you listening will still reject it. But undeniable, unrejectable proof from the Bible that the end time events, one after another after another listed, the Bible will occur on God's commanded holy days one after another. If you were to examine the evidence, you will see if you have a desire to see. If you don't want to see, if you totally made up that it's impossible, then you ain't going to see. But if you're willing to open your eyes and to study and to examine the evidence in the Bible, then you will finally see, and it will be a wake-up call and a rescue to you. The end-time prophetic timeline of God's commanded holy days, and it's not Christmas. It is Passover that Christ kept, that the apostles kept, that the prophets kept. It's the Feast of Tabernacles, it's the Day of Atonement, it is Pentecost. It is these days that all the men of God in the Bible observed, all of them, even before Moses. Even Adam and Eve. Even when Christ returns. Read it. 
for yourself. Even if you don't believe what I just said, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, and you will eventually see, eventually. Amen. Reminder, Wednesday morning, 11 o'clock in the morning, we're going to be here for live worship services again for the first day of Hanukkah. As I said before, most people that keep Hanukkah did it a month ago. Their, their calendar is wrong. And so Wednesday will be the first day of Hanukkah. Special service is 11 in the morning. And it's very important for end-time Christians to observe God's commanded holy days, including Purim and Hanukkah, which are two that most people leave out. But they're really... Among the most important, they're all important, gosh, and the holidays. Very important for the end-time Christians. Very extremely important. Because Hanukkah is a promise to us, especially to us end-time followers of Christ Jesus, that we are promised the ultimate victory. Even though we're going to lose many battles along the way, and many of us will die, but the, we are promised the ultimate in victory against the Antichrist, Bashar Assad, evil be his name, the king of Assyria. Look it up in the Bible, it says it. Even the book of Revelation 13, and it says the word beast, if you read the Arabic Bible, it's actually Assad's name twice. Both his real family name and then his new family name that they came out with, which is the word Assad, both in Arabic, both in the same chapter, both talking about the Antichrist, both. And the Bible says that the Assyrian is that son of perdition, the one that's going to invade the nations. It talks about this repeatedly. Not the man from Europe, not Prince Charles, but the Assyrian. And his arms, his muscles, is Russia and China, Syria and Iran, the Gentile nations to invade Israel, which includes America, Britain, Scotland, Ireland, Denmark, Australia, New Zealand, and our allies, India and South Korea and Taiwan and Japan. These are going to be invaded in the month of April according to God's divine prophetic plan written in the Bible. All you got to do is open your eyes. You can see it in the news. You don't even have to be a prophet to understand these things because all you got to do is turn on the news and see what it's saying about the Ukraine and Russia and China and Syria and Iran and Israel and everything that's happening in the news in Iraq and the vaccines, and now people are dying left and right of the vaccines. All these people that you said previously, oh, I know, I work with these people that have the vaccines and they're fine, they're not sick, all of a sudden they're dropping dead. And they don't even have to be sick before it happens. A lot of them are just dropping dead in the middle of the work day. We've got people playing football and soccer and tennis that are falling dead. They're not even showing any sickness from the vaccine until they just drop dead all of a sudden. And they're doing it in much larger numbers than ever before. 
It is genocide. And I tell you, if you can't see at the door to the great tribulation, then you are blind as blind can get. We are there at the door to the great tribulation, which confirms everything we see going on in the news, even all these mass deaths and the increase in the deaths. Everything we see going on in the news is absolute confirmation that we're on the right track about this spring, March and April, ran the great tribulation. It can't be past that with all everything we're seeing it's impossible we've got to accept what we're seeing right in front of our eyes how that we are definitely at the door to the great tribulation and I'm not trying to scare anyone but you got to be prepared and you can't be prepared if you don't know the reality be prepared if you have your head buried in the sand or if you don't want to look or if you don't want to know, or if you don't want to examine, or if you don't want to grow in the truth, then you cannot accept the reality and you will not be prepared. We have to be prepared. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically for these times ahead. Please visit the website at isawthelightministries.com. Look for the article, The Five Holy Days and the Entire Prophetic Plan. That's in the prophecy section. And we also have a search box in the bottom of the page. On every page on the website, search box. And all you got to do is type in there, Five Holy Days and the Entire Prophetic Timeline, and it will bring you to that article. And take your time to really examine it and then in prayer. And then react to it appropriately. It's not enough to just come to the knowledge of the truth. You must then have the appropriate reaction to it. And the appropriate reaction is repentance and leaving traditional religion and coming to Christ in the truth, including the keeping of the true holy days. If you don't keep the holy days, don't know when to expect these events to happen. They come to you as a thief in the night. If you don't keep God's true holy days and the Sabbath, which is Saturday, then you will not be prepared. You will not be ready. And all these events will come unexpected upon you. The Bible says that if you keep these holy days, it is as a branding upon your forehead and in your hand to identify you as a follower of God prepared to the mark of the beast, spiritually, mentally, in your forehead and hand as a follower of the Antichrist, but his holy days of Christmas, Easter, and Halloween. You heard what I said. Praise God for all the songs that he picked out for the sermon today. I didn't pick out any of those songs. Every one of them meant something 
great and wonderful to me as I press through my pain. Again, he also chose a segment of Herbert W. Armstrong decades ago warning people about Christmas. How wonderful that is as well, that Christ chose that. That opened people's eyes. Amen. Well, I'm going to hang up here. Let y'all go. And I'll see you Wednesday. And the broadcast will now end. Uh, then there will be a pause of a few seconds or a minute. Uh, then I will begin the normal, normal broadcast here on this gospel of the kingdom, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Christian radio, live sermons, recorded sermons, gospel music, documentaries, live breaking news, and all kinds of other good quality broadcasts right here on this gospel of the kingdom, 24 hours, seven days a week. We broadcast live worship services every Saturday at 2 o'clock. But we're going to have special services at 11 o'clock Wednesday, for the first day of the This concludes this broadcast of our live services. We now continue to the normal programming after a minute of silence. We'll have normal programming of the 24-7 broadcast. Thank you for listening to this gospel that came and brought to you by I Saw the Light Ministries. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.